4: This is Bet Center on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: Welcome in to the VSIN Bet Center, hour number three. I am Brady Cannon live at the Circa Resort and Casino. My partner, James Salinas, is along. Via Denver, Colorado, as we roll along here on the final Saturday in July, the 30th day of the month. And checking your baseball scoreboard, they still haven't finished. They're in Boston, 9-4. to The Milwaukee Brewers leading the Boston Red Sox, who are down to their last at bat there at Fenway. The New York Mets leading the Miami Marlins 2 to nothing and the Mets are minus 800 on the money line. Uh, despite just a 2 to nothing lead, they are into the top of the seventh inning. The Marlins have been uh, holding the Mets' bats pr- uh, fairly quiet, but they just can't get any offense going. Baltimore still leading Cincinnati 2-1. to one, The Orioles minus 150 in the live market. Your in-game total now down to 8.5. It was at 9.5 not that long ago. We spoke about Seattle and Houston at the end of the last segment. Still 3 nothing in favor of Seattle, and Houston still batting in the bottom of the second inning, and the Astros now have increased as far as that live market, James. We were looking at it at plus 165, now plus 210 on Houston in the bottom of the second inning, trailing by three runs. The San Diego Padres, we can celebrate this, James. They are out to a one nothing lead over
5: the Twins. We know we're rooting against Minnesota every day
2: and every every game from here on out
5: yes yeah and that's what kind of uh, you think about baseball and the grind that it is and uh, right now i'm really trying i know we've talked about it 40 days to the national football league starts and that's where i'm going to start putting more of my energy towards now that we're almost here to august and getting away from the grind of day-to-day baseball betting and when you have futures, though, it makes it kind of interesting, especially if, in this case there for a, a divisional type of future where, you know, for – you're rooting against – at least for the Guardians to win that, you're rooting not only against the Twins but also against the White Sox. And I've been watching this White Sox game and White Sox down – Two to nothing right now, two solo home runs from Oakland. And I think the, the one of the things when we were talking about at the last segment about partially the reason why my w- going against the White Sox. Well, you know what? The other thing with the White Sox is they're getting everybody's best game. Because there's the when the White Sox were here in Colorado for a, a quick series during the middle of the week. Man, does this team, I was at that Wednesday game? The, Brady, this team for being a being under 500 right now especially playing bad baseball in Chicago and this team does a lot of talking they do a lot of chirping and the Rockies really it really got the attention of that Rockies team and they came back on that Wednesday matinee and got that win late this is something where I think when you have a team, because we know a lot of times baseball's got a certain code, right, Brady, where guys just, you put your head down, you don't do a lot of yapping, and and there's a certain respect for the game and your opponents where you're not showing up your opponents. I'll tell you what, Brady, this White Sox team does as much trash talking on the field, I think, as, as any team out there, maybe more so. And what that does, it really gets the attention and gets the opponents fired up where maybe the White Sox not only are not playing good baseball, but don't bring the same effort in it that some of these other teams are going. You start talking, you start talking mad trash out there, you're going to get your opponent's best effort. I think that also has contributed to, to the poor performance we've seen from the White Sox thus far.
2: Yeah, Oakland, as you mentioned, up on the White Sox 2 to nothing right now. I almost wanted to play Blackburn as a dog. He was uh, a winner uh, last time out as an underdog, was Paul Blackburn. And I wanted to go back to the well today, but I just thought Chicago's got to write this ship. They've already lost two in a row to Oakland. And you talked about it earlier in our preview of this game. Johnny Cueto has been pitching pretty well. Mm-hmm. But uh, right now, Oakland looking to make it three in a row over the White Sox, 2 to nothing in the top of the fourth inning, and they are minus 225 to do just that on the live money line. Philadelphia and Pittsburgh no score still. I like that James you know I have under 7.5 here no score in the top of the 4th inning. Philadelphia minus 155 on the money line in the live market. Your live total all the way down to 5 now so Feeling pretty good about sitting on seven and a half. We'll see. It ain't under until it's over, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals and Washington Nationals, they are tied at one apiece. Your in-game total here is at eight and a half. St. Louis minus 130. On the live money line. That's just about where they were prior to first pitch. The Atlanta Braves uh, out to an early start, early advantage over the Arizona Diamondbacks, three to nothing already in the bottom of the second inning. Your in game total is at 10.5. And then the Dodgers and the Rockies will start here momentarily in about five minutes from the Mile High City. Uh, James, you were talking about uh, some of your NFL betting strategies and get, getting ready for the NFL season, that opening day, just 40 days away. Uh, As far as training camp, now that training camp is in full swing, if you look on the Twitter machine or you're watching your local newscast on TV or, you know, any of the sports shows on TV or whatever, what have you, um, you're seeing a lot of videos and, you know, Derek Carr threw a pass to Devontae Adams and this and that and the other. How much of that do you pay attention to? What do you take
5: away, if anything, from training camp? very little when it's when it's within the team we know that the first i think the first 3 days are non contact so and then from there we know there's never any contact on the quarterback, but you know it, it's light gear and it's very limited contact. And and then in the perspective of you don't know what they were actually working on. So yeah, there it is, card of Adams for a 50-yard play. But you don't know what actually was the call, what they were looking at, what the defense was because they're working through things. It's not about we're we're trying to win this the this, this play or this drive here. They're working on certain things on both sides of the of the of the ball, both offensively and defensively. Defensively. Maybe they're working on on having to, a light box, and what can we do on the back end and some man coverages, those types of things. You never know exactly what that looks. So I put that in perspective to where that doesn't really mean much to me. If anything, if you're looking at what happens within training camp, it's as we as we start to get through August and into the preseason, not so much the preseason games, but when you're going to, leading up to the preseason games, we know that you're going to have some inch, inner you're going to have some practices where you're going to have those two teams face each other during practice, and a lot of times that's where you maybe can pull a little nugget here or there when they're facing a, a different opponent within the training camp. So it's not just the same guys grinding on the same guys, and we know there's a lot of limitations there, because you're working to get better, and you're working through scheme. So for for me, Brady, I'm not going to look at the Twitter machine and, and say, oh, well, wow, it looked like Devon a. Adams had a big day in practice today. Well, of course he did. Number one, he's really good. And then the <laughs> other side, too, here, you just, you don't know... what exactly what they're working on through practice. And so it's something that I'm just not going to, to make it, take it, really form an opinion on either pro or con.
2: Yeah, no, I I think it's entertaining to watch, but you're exactly right. I mean, I I don't think it uh, makes an impact on my opinion, certainly anything I have seen just yet. Uh, By the way, Carlos Carrasco still in the game pitching for the New York Mets. I believe just 82 pitches through uh, six and two-thirds innings, six and a third inning, one runner on with one runner out in the bottom of the seventh. So really pitching a gem. He's only given up three hits, I believe. I was looking to kind of fade him off of that effort that he threw last week On Sunday Night Baseball in a win against the Padres, but I felt he really escaped with a lot of luck. His defense really bailed him out a few times, but uh, he has responded very well, and there's a double play. So uh, Carrasco out of the seventh inning with just 83 pitches and three hits given up, uh, quite a gem and a shutout that he's throwing at the Miami Marlins. Two to nothing Mets in that one. Uh, James, we saw the Kyler Murray contract uh, be extended. I believe you and I were talking about that last week on the show. And then it came out about this uh, clause, you know, that he has to do a certain amount of study time. And then then there's, you know, him coming back saying, hey, I I don't need that. I mean, that for me kind of builds my case against why I want to go against Arizona this season.
5: It was already a fade for me, I I think, for Arizona. A lot of different things for Arizona in the offseason, starting as soon as the season was over with Kyler Murray and the whole scrubbing of his uh, whatever social media sites that he had as, as far as being connected to Arizona and getting his negotiations going from there. But the fact that he's got to come out publicly or his team's got to leak the fact that, Oh, well you needed to have some study time built into your contract because <laughs> they don't trust that you're actually doing uh, the all, everything that's necessary during the week to prepare yourself like a professional for your upcoming opponent. And we've heard, we've heard Kyler Murray just say in the past, yeah, I don't kill myself watching film. Cause I just see so much out there on the field, out on the field. He's he's very confident young fellow out there thinking that way, but we know so many of these in the NFL Brady so much. These games aren't always won and lost on Sunday. A lot of times, it's won and lost during the week with preparation. So they have to build something like that into your contract for Kyler Murray because they want. I wonder if they said, "Well, you got to eat all your vegetables, too, young man. We got to (laughs) build it, build it full, full, be a well-rounded young individual to be the leader of this team." I just I thought it was kind of silly the fact that not only they had to put that in there, and number two, it gets leaked out, and I think it got leaked out from Kyler Murray and his camp there, and ultimately then Arizona. Says, well, we're going to take that out of his uh, out of his contract. Well, if Kyler Murray had a problem with it, shouldn't have signed the contract in the first place because that was in the contract when he signed it, Brady.
2: Yep, absolutely. Uh, Real quick here, want to get your thoughts. And I know I think we've kind of established the fact that we don't take too much from training camp. But Ryan Jensen, the center for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, went down, unfortunately, with a knee injury. That's one of the things I don't like about the NFL is all the injuries. And of course, they're they're starting already. Um, He is expected to miss months. And that is a big deal for Tom Brady. Yep. You know how much pride he takes in the protection he gets from his offensive line, and this just a, this isn't, you know, just some offensive line. This is the center, who is arguably the most important player on that offensive line. Any thoughts there and how it affects your gauge of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, James? well better
5: that it happens now than in midseason when you have to work through an injury like that but you talked about the, the interior of the line for Tampa Bay complete makeover now that Jensen most likely would be lost for the season he's already got two new guards having to come over this year and now with Jensen being out and the play caller you know he's going to make the checks at the line of scrimmage I mean that's a big loss so that if there's something we talked about what do you take away from training camp that's always the first thing we're looking at obviously is going to be injuries not only injuries to players that were on the field but looking at players that were hurt last year and when do, are they going to get on the field have they gotten out in training camp yet and how do their in- injuries from last year impact their availability going into training camp and are they on the field those are things to watch for too yep good point i think i read
2: that the uh, packers david bakhtiari was going to begin on the pup list in training yep. camp so he is not fully healthy just yet either stick with us we'll be right back on the Beeson bet center
1: elite bucket getter let's please welcome jamal crawford to point game king of the court one-on-one tournament if they had it back in your prime do you think he could have took it all
4: i'm gonna be honest with you i don't think i could have took it all but i think i would have shocked a lot of people i think kobe and everybody in their prime kobe would win a one-on-one
0: yeah yeah because you gotta think he's gonna guard he don't care about guarding
4: This is Bet Center on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
2: Welcome back to the VSIN Bet Center. Brady Cannon and James Salinas with you, and it looks like I'm just about done on my Miami Marlins bet. Made a good run there with uh, Nick Niedert, pretty good effort, went five innings, only gave up two runs, but Francisco Lindor just took the bullpen deep, his 17th home run of the season, and it's now a 3 to nothing advantage for the New York Mets in the eighth inning, so they are looking to roll to another victory uh, in that one over Miami. Uh, we've got football coming up, you know, 40 days until the opening uh, night, September 8th, Thursday, the Buffalo Bills visiting the Los Angeles Rams. But we've got football coming up in less than a week, James. August the 4th, Thursday, the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio, and it'll be our own Las Vegas Raiders representing against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Of course, new coach and a new regime over there in Jacksonville trying to rebuild on what was a disaster of a season last year. The Raiders are currently favored by one and a half points, 32 and a half is your total. And there's actually a few twos in the market here, some money coming in on the Raiders. Personally, for me, you know, I think it's hard enough to bet on NFL preseason games, but I think especially this one, this one seems almost more random than the other ones where teams are kind of being a little bit more serious about practice or maybe they're trying to win the game actually this one seems even more like an exhibition
5: james uh and it's probably not going to see any of my money no it won't see any of my money either and usually that hall of fame game that's the that's the added game for those teams so in this case here with preseason where it used to be everybody had four games this was going to be their fifth game in this case now this will be the four number what They'll have four preseason games with the Raiders and the Jaguars. And what we typically used to see with the Hall of Fame game is we didn't see any starters because it was that fifth game. It's just interesting now that we're down to three games for the preseason. How are teams going to approach this? And I think... If you're want if, if for me, if I'm wanting to get involved and bet the preseason, it's not something I'm going to do before the game kicks, unless you hear something. And you can hear things. All right, they're looking to to put out. The, you know, their starters are looking to play the first half in this game. All right, that's something that you heard. You can go in and maybe maybe make a first half bet or a. A pre-game, you know, a pre-kick bet in a sense, but you just don't know how teams are going to approach this. And a lot of times, if you're watching the game, you will see or you'll hear, or they have a lot of sideline interviews. Definitely the Hall of Fame game, Brady. Lots of sideline interviews going on. There's a lot of things going on off the field when they're talking, you know, in between, you know, in between plays. And they got one of the Hall of Famers up in the booth, and they're talking and interviewing him. And oh, by the way, there's a three-yard run, and so <laughs> you don't even get to hear much of what's going on with the game, right? Because that's really not the focus. It's about the hall of it's about the players and being inducted to the hall of fame and they're putting all of them and giving them some camera time. So as far as playing the hall of fame game, that's usually one I I stay away from. As far as playing preseason games in general, Brady, I think that's I don't do a whole lot of that either, other than maybe something in game. Because you just don't know how teams are going to approach these games and who's going to actually be out there. I think for some teams, they have to see. It's a new coach, new system, new players, maybe new quarterback. Who knows what that looks like? You're going to have to see some more of their starters out there. But that doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to be out there and execute very well either, Brady. I think about, you know, we, we there's only three games now. Well, it used to be the fourth preseason game. Didn't really see any starters out there. And it was that that was really the third game was the dress rehearsal, in a sense, for a lot of teams. Well, it does now week three become like week four used to be? I don't know. I, I remember I was remember that game, the last game of the preseason. It was the third game for both the Bills and the Green Bay Packers. Well, that game, Josh Allen threw 26 pass attempts for the Buffalo Bills and Aaron Rodgers on the other side for the Packers. Never saw the field. So a lot that has to go into it. So for me to get involved, it's only going to be strictly, for the most part, it's going to be in-game.
2: You know, years ago, I, I had some very successful seasons betting preseason. And I felt it was a very good opportunity to make some money because it, it seemed like you could really find out which team was going to try and win and which team was not. And and there was kind of definitive information now it just doesn't seem to be like that, and and the information is reacted to so quickly with Twitter and everything like that. Everybody knows about it immediately, and it just seems like a much harder market to bet than it was, uh, you know, even five, ten years ago. Uh, so I haven't made a whole lot of preseason bets uh, in the last few seasons. We'll see if I do. I don't uh, believe I'm going to be betting on this one here, the Raiders and the Jaguars. Let's talk about these teams, though, and your preview for these teams of the uh, for the coming season. We spoke a little bit uh, with Dwayne Colucci about his outlook on the Raiders, and he felt kind of that whole division is really improved. And, and oh, yeah. you know, the the Raiders could still be the odd man out and, and finish in last place, e- even if they had maybe nine wins, uh, you know, which wouldn't necessarily be a big improvement. But, you know, they, they could still be a better team than they were last year that made the playoffs and still finish in last place in, in this powerhouse division. What are your thoughts on the Raiders? They, they won a lot of close games last year, James. I believe they won four games in overtime. And unfortunately for Raiders fans, that usually spells regression like it'll go the other way in the following
5: year. Well, and just the division is so competitive. And usually when I'm looking at a team, it's going to start at the offense and defensive line. And for this Raiders team in that division, AFC West, they have the worst offensive line of any. They have one of the worst offensive lines in the AFC, if not one of the worst offensive lines in all of football. Aside from Colton Miller at the left tackle position the rest of these players here there it's i mean now they're talking about leatherwood he may be he was running with third stringers now there's certain things you can if we were talking about what can you pull away from training camp sometimes you can see well depth chart and where we're starters if you have leatherwood he's get, he if he was out there and he was getting reps with the third team so, that can be concerning because that tells you not so much that other players are playing better because he was a high draft choice. Tr- high draft choice. It was more so that he's not performing up to the expectations of where he was drafted. So those can be concerning, and I think that's my biggest concern with the Raiders is the fact that this offensive line. Yeah, you've got with with Carr and Renfro and and Adams coming over, and Waller's a terrific talent. But how are we going to be able to keep David Carr or Derek Carr upright? That's the biggest concern for me, starting at the offensive line for the Raiders. And then if you want to start digging into schedules, their their schedule is going to be a big challenge just to start the season where you're looking at the fact that they're going to play three out of the first Games three of the first five games Brady on the road, starting off with that. may it might feel like a home game for the Raiders in Los Angeles against the Chargers. Then come back home against Arizona. Then go out to the East Coast to play at Tennessee, home to Denver, and then at Kansas City. And then the worst part of all that very challenging five games for the Raiders. But then you have your bye week. To me, that's that. That's you don't want to have your bye week. You'd like to have your bye week in the middle of the season, not sitting there in week six because now from there you're going to have to play. What you're playing. 12 straight games to close out the season.
2: Yeah, the Raiders do have certainly one of the most uh, difficult graded schedules in the entire NFL, and you saw it there on the graphic. Uh, Not too many breathers in that lineup for the Las Vegas Raiders. And I agree with you that bye looks to be a little early as well. You'd like to have it maybe three or four weeks later. Uh, Let's talk about the Jaguars. And of course they have got a last place schedule. They finished in last place in the division, only won one game last season. Uh, Obviously a new coach and Doug Peterson, you would think things, you know, there's a much sunnier, brighter perspective out there in Duval County for the Jacksonville Jaguars. You just look at their season win total. It's all the way to like six and a half. Now, Do you think they can turn it around that quickly, James? Do you think they're a contender in the AFC South? What is your outlook for this club?
5: Not as a contender, but definitely have an opportunity. The, the, you know, they were at the floor last year and just having a professional coaching staff now coming over and taking uh, taking the reins of this team, that is going to help immensely for... It's a very young team, and obviously, for Jacksonville with the number one pick for the last few seasons. There's, there's a reason why they've had the number one pick the last few years, Brady. It's a, just been a bad franchise. It really wasn't that long ago, right, where they were in the AFC Championship game against against the New England Patriots and, and had a lead in that second half. And you think about that defense and all the talent that they had on there, and that was even with Bortles at the quarterback spot. Like, look at that roster, and what a complete change and makeover. And really, it's just the ineptitude of that uh, of of management for in just a short period of time. But I think for the Jacksonville Jaguars, I think there's there's obviously reason to be optimistic about their season from last year to this year. Just from the coaching perspective, and I think the the best thing I saw out of Trevor Lawrence last year was even though he, he did not perform well and really took a beating, he kept, he wasn't one. Watch body language a lot, and that's something I look for not only with players but with teammates. And this is a this is a player I think that they all were under the gun because of the, dis, the dysfunction that the coaching staff was last year. But this is a guy that really understands what it looks like to be a professional and and kept his head about him and gave great effort. And I think that team gave great effort despite the fact the coaching staff was such a wreck. I think that's something when we talk about momentum from one year to the next, I think that's something as far as this young team and these young players, and in particular Trevor Lawrence, being going fighting through all that adversity. I know it's always a cliche, but damn, did they have a lot of adversity last year that they had to overcome off the field and in that locker room that they were able to still give quality effort each and every week I think that carries over from last year to this year as something to build on
2: the Los Angeles Dodgers are on the board early a 1-0 lead in the first inning over the Colorado Rockies Seattle still leading Houston 3-0 and the Cincinnati Reds have taken the lead from the Baltimore Orioles now 5-2 Cincinnati in the bottom of the fifth inning we'll come back and talk some golf in just a moment check in on the Rocket Mortgage Classic right here on the v Sin Bet Center
4: This is Bet Center on VSEN, the sports betting network.
2: Baseball predictions made brighter. Join the Born in a Ballpark Challenge presented by Blue Moon to compete free for cash all season. Enter weekly prediction pools to fight for your share of $62,500 in total cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Blue Moon now to join in on the action. Blue Moon, made brighter. 21 years and over only. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Please drink responsibly. Brady Cannon and James Salinas with you. Time to talk a little golf. And Brian Crowell now joins us. He's the director of golf at the Trump Golf Links in Ferry Point, New York. And he's also a host on PGA Tour Radio Sirius XM. And has joined us here inside the Bet Center in the past. Good to be with you again, Brian. Thank you for joining us once again. Let's talk a little Rocket Mortgage Classic. It looks like Tony Finau is trying to go back-to-back weeks this guy's the biggest fan of the Live Tour in the world, I believe. Everybody on the Live Tour, of course, uh, defecting from the PGA Tour, not in the field this week, of course, at the Rocket Mortgage. Tony Finau wins last week in Minnesota at the 3M Open and gets himself into a tie heading into the final round with Taylor Pendrith today. Finao shot a 7-under-65. Pendrith, not too shabby himself, shot a 6-under-66. 6 but they are both tied at 21-under par heading into Sunday at the Detroit Golf Club. And I tell you what, Cameron Young is four shots back at 17-under. But, you know, the scoring, this is such a birdie fest. This looks like a two-man race here from here on out, Brian.
4: Yeah, I think it's going to be tough for anybody to catch either Taylor or Tony. And if I had to put the entire Brian Kroll fortune on one of those guys. It's going to be Tony fee. Now. I mean, he's hit uh, 13 of 14 fairways today, 16 of 18 greens and regulation. In fact, he's hit 50 of 54 greens and regulation this week. And he hasn't made a single bogey. The guy is just, he's just playing so well. And I really, I mean, as a PGA professional, I love his swing. It's compact. It's powerful he hits it far and you add some confidence from winning last week i don't know i don't know why people wouldn't put their money on phena
5: Brian, so thinking about next week, it's going to be the last PGA Tour event, the final one of the season. It's going to be the Wyndham Championship. And I want to get your perspective on on kind of how you approach and how you handicap the final event of the season. Thinking about the the, the point standing and those that start the, the top 125, moving and moving on and advancing to the, the FedEx Championship. And Thinking about those that maybe are kind of uh, on the on the bubble or on the fence of that number one, you know, the top to one twenty-five. Does that have any impact on how you handicap next week's Wyndham Championship? And then thinking about also kind of explain how the points system works for the FedEx Cup standings.
4: Well, I mean, I listen. It is. I think it's it's a massive story. This uh, top one twenty-five, trying to position yourself. For that first FedEx Cup event. And certainly, Wyndham next week is going to be a lot of fun to watch and see how things shake out. I I always tend to look with, with players that perform well on those courses. And some of the names that, that stick out are JT Poston, uh, Siwoo Kim. These are guys that are not in danger of uh, missing the 125, but those are guys that I see playing really, really strong at Wyndham and getting into real good position as they head into the FedEx uh, playoffs. So it's going to be fun to watch. And, yeah, the bubble guys are, are, are always good to take a look at, too. And, and I think that makes a difference for some of the guys in the field tomorrow, just to try and struggle to get a little bit better position as they head to Wyndham.
2: Yeah, you mentioned uh, Tony Finau is going to get all your interest in the final round, Brian. Uh, he has the uh, odds makers' vote of confidence as well at BetMGM. Tony Finau is minus one forty-five. Taylor Pendrith, of course, tied with Finau at twenty-one under par, is plus one seventy. So a pretty big difference there in price between uh, one of the best players in the world and a young man who's kind of an up and comer in Taylor Pendrith. Uh, Also next week at the Wyndham, you mentioned Siwoo Kim. I actually have a outright bet and a top 20 finish bet this week on Siwoo Kim. And he's played brilliantly. He's just not a not good enough. I mean, there's so many guys that are going low here at this golf course, but nobody as low as Finao and Pendrith. Si Wu currently in the top 10 at 13 under par. But he and, and one of the reasons I played him is because of his success at Donald Ross designs. And next week at the Wyndham, we have another Donald Ross design all see yep. we uh see Wu has done is finished second third fifth and first in his last i believe four out of his last five appearances so uh you mentioned see Wu kim jt poston uh you gotta believe the price is going to be a lot shorter on see Wu next week after his performance this week and of course his past history at the windham
4: absolutely i think he's going to be one of the one of the pure favorites and like you said you know at minus 13 and a tie for seventh i think he's uh He's simply too far back, but I do see a low round coming from him tomorrow. Um, so I, I think he's going to be playing strong heading into the Windham, and he certainly, as a past winner there, he's going to be one to bet on. The one thing I will say about Finau, um, you know, he's he's zero and five when leading after fifty-four holes of a PGA Tour event. He's never got the job done when he's had the lead heading into the final eighteen holes. So that might give a couple folks out there a, a little a little pause and say, you know what, maybe this is the time to go big on Pendrith and and, uh, see if that trend continues for Fee now. But I wouldn't do it myself. I, I just think Tony's playing too well.
2: That's a very interesting point you make. I I didn't know that that was the case for Tony Finau. And last week when he won in Minnesota, he was not in the lead after 54 holes. Of course, that was the local Las Vegas, Scott Piercy. Finau came back to get that championship over Piercy. Uh, Let's talk about uh, player of the year honors, Brian. And I haven't had a time to look around and see if you can actually bet on this type of thing. I don't know if there is a market for that, but I'm wondering what your thoughts would be. I have to believe the favorite right now is probably Cameron Smith. Of course, he won to begin the season at Kapalua, uh, the Century uh, Tournament of Champions, and then, of course, later won the Players' Championship, which is kind of, you know, the fifth major. Then he went ahead and added a, a real major in the British Open just a couple of weeks ago. The other contender would uh, certainly be Scotty Scheffler, who had a pretty decent British Open. Of course, he won the Masters. He had a great U.S. Open. He won, I believe, another four times. He won at Bay Hill, Phoenix. Uh, Just had an incredible run uh, before that Masters championship and really has had a tremendous season. And maybe a long shot, I believe another three-time winner so far this year would be Sam Burns, but... You know, depending on how all these guys com- uh, compete in the FedEx Cup playoffs the next few weeks, who would be your vote right now for Player of the Year?
4: Well, I think uh, in terms of trophies, uh, it's tough to look past Cam. I mean, winning uh, the Players and the Open Championship is—that's a pretty strong duo there. But I-, I think Scheffler has the edge if he can uh, if he can get his game a touch sharper here as we close out the year and head into the FedEx uh, events. I think, I think Scheffler, he just, he did such incredible work early in the year and he, and he really backed it up quite well. He's been in a, a little bit of a slide here the last uh, last month or so, but he's, I think he's my pick. If he just plays Scheffler golf here for the next few weeks, I think he's going to seal it up.
2: Brian, before we let you go, we were talking off air before you came on with us and we said uh, you can't talk about golf these days without talking about the live tour. And, and I don't know if I want to specifically talk about the event going on in Bedminster or whatever, but but certainly I believe there are going to be some stories coming up in the near future. It ought to be a very interesting off-season for golf. It is a Ryder Cup year. We know Henrik Stenson. I believe he's leading the live event this this week, and of course uh, he is no longer going to be the captain of the European side in the Ryder Cup. Uh, so that's you know one change that we've experienced already. But when we finish up the FedEx Cup playoffs, and maybe even after the Ryder Cup. What are some of the things that maybe you're expecting we see between the PGA tour and the live series?
4: Well, I listen, I, as a PGA pro and, and like you, just someone who loves golf, I want this to work out. I mean, I want this to, uh, to come to a, uh, some sort of a final agreement here between all the parties so that golf succeeds and major championships are still the true test of greatness. And, uh, that that's really what I'm hoping for. I I think the PGA tour, um, in light of live succeeding to a certain extent here with the past three events, I think they've had to up their game and get a little creative. I think we're going to see some bigger money opportunities for some of the top players on the PGA tour at the, at the end of the year. And I think they're scrambling to try and figure this out. And, you know, I, I worry because it's, it's the game of golf at the highest level that is in danger here. I, I do not want that to be a problem down the road. These two forces have to get their act together here and hopefully figure it out.
2: All right. Very good. Always good to catch up with you, Brian. Enjoy your Sunday and go Tony Fino my man. Thanks for joining us once again. You get it. Thanks for having me guys all right that is brian crowell you can catch him on pga tour radio on sirius xm also the director of golf out there at the uh ferry ferry point uh new york at the trump golf links uh the trump golf course the site of the live event this week as well we'll be back with more in just a moment james salinas and brady cannon with you right here on v sin the sports betting network
3: I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college? You think I it? Ain't
1: <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on
4: the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Beth Center on VCN, the sports betting network.
2: The College Football Guide is out now, and the Pro Football Guide is coming soon. There is no better way to prepare for the college and pro football seasons. Our experts provide profiles of every team with advanced stats and power ratings, plus best bets on season win totals, division finishes, and player awards. Reserve your copy of the Football Betting Guides today and get access to everything we offer for the entire football season with a VSIN All Access subscription. Make this football season your best ever. Subscribe now at vcin.com slash subscribe. Brady Cannon and James Salinas with you checking the baseball scoreboard. The New York Mets trying to finish off the Miami Marlins pitching a shutout there today. Carlos Carrasco finally out of the game for Miami, but really pitched a gem there off of that outing where he just kind of skated away with a victory over the San Diego Padres. Got a little lucky in that one. His defense really helped him out, but he rebounded with a great effort today. 4 to nothing, The Mets over Miami right now in the top of the ninth inning, so we're still not done yet. Cincinnati trying to take out the Baltimore Orioles. The Orioles jumped out to a 2-0 lead. Now 7-2 in favor of the Reds in the top of the sixth inning. Your in-game total is at 12. The Astros are on the board. It has been 3 to nothing Seattle about halfway through this baseball game, but now Houston on the board, 3-1 in favor of Seattle in the bottom of the fifth inning, and your in-game total has adjusted to eight. The Minnesota Twins are now leading San Diego. San Diego was up one to nothing, but now it's Twins two to one in the bottom of the fifth inning, and your in-game total here Is at six and a half. And James, I know a game that you have your eye on, the Oakland Athletics and the Chicago White Sox. You, of course, have interest with a futures ticket on the Cleveland Guardians to win the AL Central. I'm backing you with my rooting interest as well. And the Oakland A's have been absolutely red
5: hot, looking to make it three in a row over Chicago. They lead two to nothing in the top of the sixth. Well, and they got themselves out of a uh, bottom of the fifth jam, did the A's and, and Blackburn, and ultimately it wasn't even what the A's did, it was more so, again, the ineptitude of the White Sox to be able to execute and play situational baseball, and in this case, offensively, and uh, really, again, just poor... Uh, I'll run through it. I was watching this as we were going through the last segment and Eloy Jimenez leads off with a double. Drives one. He barrels it up and he drives it to right center in the alley off the wall and he gets to he gets all the way 90 feet to first base. Because he was kind of sitting in the box, admiring the 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 drive that he had, but it didn't clear the base. It one hop to the wall. He didn't even get to second, so he only gets to first. Did Jimenez next batter up? Next batter up. It was Vaughn. He has a, a seeing eye double down the line ball with eyes. It gets there. Now you have second and third. Brady, nobody out for the White Sox. Down two to nothing. Last of the fifth. The A's are conceding the run. They're in the shift. Their second baseman is halfway out into right field. They're shortstops behind second base. They are conceding the run here. All you've got to do as the batter is put the ball. It was Sheets that was up there, right fielder, another one with no hose that you can run on in right field. But what does he do? he tries he lifts the baseball he's trying all he had to do was ground the ball and you would have had at least one run in that perspective move the other runner over and you could have got a run in and had a runner at third with one down nope of corn. pops the ball straight up to second base there's one out the next two batters with uh, the next two batters that come up it's Harrison and Anderson guess what they do both strike out oh. no runs scored for the White Sox after having second and third with nobody out and the A's Giving you the right side of the field. And they were even pitching him inside. They were pitching him inside to pull, where all he had to do was beat the ball under the ground. But there you go. The whole lift. I'm going to be the hero. I'm going to drive the ball to a ballpark, give us a three run home run to take the lead here instead of the can of corn. Two straight strikeouts. Absolutely poor situational hitting again for the White Sox. Cannot execute and come away scoreless after being second and third with nobody out.
2: Amazing. Amazing. And uh, like you said, baseball. the guy admiring his shot there—he would have scored. <laughs> and it's kind of a surprise that he didn't score from first on a double,
5: anyway. But uh, no, like- no, he led. It was Jimenez. He led off the inning. He let off the inning. He drove the ball to right field. He should have been at second. Yeah, he should have been at second and then score on that double. But 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 he said he's he's admiring the shot, the one hopper off the wall. Yeah, exactly. Can't even get to second, can't even get into scoring position. And it's little things like that, Brady. And that's what's, I'm sure, for White Sox fans, I wouldn't doubt if they were getting booed. Obviously, we didn't have the audio there, but they're playing one of the worst teams in baseball. They got beat down last night. They're down two to nothing here poor situational baseball execution offensively for the White Sox I'm sure those birds because they have not been playing well they've been no. playing better have the White Sox on the road than at home and I think that's probably part of it they're feeling more and more pressure at home to make plays in front of the home uh, in front of the home fans and not executing and really kind of choking out there that was really poor it will kind of epitomize what we've been talking about for the White Sox for weeks now about poor execution both offensively and defensively no no better example than the bottom of the fifth for the White Sox today.
2: Philadelphia Phillies lead the Pittsburgh Pirates one to nothing in the bottom of the sixth inning and I like to see this low scoring affair. I am on yeah. under seven and a half and right now you're in game total is at four and a half. So I need uh, three more innings here of scoreless baseball, and we can go home with a winner. St. Louis leads the Washington Nationals four to one. They are minus 650 on the in-game money line. They are in the bottom of the fifth inning there. Washington at bat trailing four to one. The Atlanta Braves at home shutting out the Arizona Diamondbacks. Ian Anderson has been very shaky this season, but not so today as he is blanking the Snakes. Four to nothing in the top of the fifth inning there in Atlanta. Atlanta, Colorado has taken the lead over Clayton Kershaw and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Two to one now in the top of the third inning. Dodgers batting. They remain a favorite. Down one run, down two to one. The Dodgers are still a favorite at minus 140 in the live market and we've got a game coming up in about 15 minutes from now James in my city by the bay the Giants and the Chicago Cubs the Giants have been awful as of late they have won just two out of their last eight games and the Chicago Cubs who have been awful for most of the season are all of a sudden hot they have won seven out of ten and the Giants are a small favorite today minus 135 on the money line eight is your total this one will go to first pitch at about
5: five minutes after the top of the hour. Well, the Giants, I think they won before the All-Star break closed. They, I think they won five out of six. Brady and that momentum definitely did not carry over post All Star break. And you look, and I know you're you're starting the starting the All Star break, having four games at Los Angeles and got swept there. And and you know the, some of the bad breaks and whatever you got to make your own breaks out there too. But this is a team that's lost not eight out of nine after the All Star break. In those eight losses, only 21 runs scored. So we know execution offensively is really an issue. And I just I just think with this Giants team. After last year, the magical run that they had, and and kind of the the, you know, the swan song for Buster Posey after because he retired after last season, and and the celebrating the championships that they had, and the great season last year not going to be able to live up and and match that, not only not having Posey anymore and his leadership in that clubhouse, but just higher expectations now and a lot of young guys on that Giants roster that's not being able to perform to that level and be capable to to stay consistent. I think that's been the biggest issue right now with the Giants. It just seems like this is a team that just can't, obviously from an offensive standpoint, especially after the All-Star break this past week and a half, just can't find themselves there. Maybe it's Smiley. Is Smiley the guy that they can try to right themselves with. I mean, Smiley's still hanging around, and this is somebody, you know he's not going to go deep into games. You looked at what he's done so far this season. He's pitched less than six innings, and 10 out of 12 starts has Smiley. But he did record a quality start last week against Philadelphia, allowing just Warner and run to the Phillies post-All-Star break. But Smiley's not one I want to trust you. Is this the day, is this the night that uh, we're going to see the Giants put it all together, Brady, and be able to get a win? You want to jump on board with the SF at home? No, no, I don't. I I
2: believe these two teams have split the first two games uh, of the series so far. The Cubs won on Friday night. I think the Giants got it done on Thursday, and and I don't know what to expect out of this one either. Uh, and and neither of these pitchers are guys that I really want to back. I I don't have a play in this one, and and I don't have a play in this one either. These are two bad teams, the Rangers and the Angels. The Angels have been so disappointing. It'll be Otto at Silseth, and the Angels are minus 120 on the money line with a total of eight and a half. The Rangers are, excuse me, the uh, Los Angeles angels are now 16 games below 500 James. And this is a team that at the end of May was about 12 games above 500. That's how bad it's been for the last couple of months.
5: Uh, they have the worst record in baseball since the latter part. I think it was May twenty fifth, mm-hmm. and when they were at that point, over five, ten games over five hundred, worst record in baseball since and playing like it. Whether it's and a lot of it comes down to just the fact that this is a team that just can't hit. They strike out. A, they they lead the league in strikeouts. It's one of they're up there right there with Atlanta. I believe actually, I think the Angels are. They do lead the league in strikeouts and so bad, not giving quality at bats and yeah, that'll lead you to to losing a lot of runs. You got Sillset like you mentioned. He's coming back up From double A to get the start, he had six starts earlier this year, didn't go very deep though. 16 earned runs, 28 hits, six home runs, and just 24 innings of work from the Angels starter coming back up. And Otto, the same way, it was terrible in July. Maybe it's the over, maybe we find some bats today. I don't want anything to do with the under. It'd be over in the Rangers Angels game, bad pitching matchup all the way around.
2: Trey Turner adds a solo shot for the Los Angeles Dodgers, they're tied up now with Colorado, two apiece. We'll update the rest of the scoreboard and look at some division and pennant futures when we return.
3: Preseason football kicks off next month, and the VSIN team has been prepping all summer. Whether you're betting on futures, looking for contest strategy, or building your own power readings, Veasan has everything you need. Get all the latest from our lineup of experts: NFL veterans Mike Pritchard, Superins Mike Pritchard, Superins Mike Pritchard, Superins Mike Pritchard. Superins, Mike Pritchard.